Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome back in for episode four of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Once again, I am Adam Epstein here with Caleb Jones, Chris Mason, and Connor Bailey. Guys, let's start with our initial reactions. Three games in five days, a lot of action for the VCU Rams. Caleb, your biggest takeaway. Yeah, uh, it it was a real roller coaster of a week. It it was good to kick off the out-of-conference slate against some uh, top-tier talent and figure out what we're all about. But that came with a big caveat, and that was losing Ace Baldwin. Um, so I think uh, it, it was it was a difficult week not having our point point guard and quarterback. But uh, I don't know. What did you guys think overall? You know, one and two record, which was quite frankly very plausible heading into the season, even before the uh, news on our point guard injury. But uh, like you said, roller coaster. You know, you almost beat Arizona State. Then you find a way to lose to them. Pitt, you're going back and forth the whole game. Kind of come back at the very end, down five late. And then a Memphis game that just they were never really in. Uh, so not a surprising one and two record. Uh, but I'd, I'd say a, a fair assessment is a disappointing one and two record. I was pretty surprised ASU pulled off the blowout over Michigan. So we did lose that champ. So we have to be big Sun Devil fans the rest of the year, which is yeah. surprising. Great point. I mean, look, here's a couple themes that I've noticed. And Caleb, I need your take on this as the stat guy. VCU is not creating enough assists right and and I don't know what the issue is are we playing two one-on-one is it just not working offensively we're not getting downhill enough maybe the swing outs to the open three-point shots and they're not going in but as a team we're not creating enough assists yeah as Mike Rhodes says the ball has not been hot we're not sharing it like we should our assists are down across the board without Ace Baldwin in the lineup uh, we're kind of running a point guard by committee uh, with with uh, Jaden Nunn and Zeb Jackson and right now, uh, with those two leading the charge, we're just not sharing the ball like we should. It feels to me like Coach Rhodes has said, you know, maybe not publicly, but inside that locker room, we're going to let Zeb Jackson be the point guard because we need Jaden Nunn's offensive output. But it hasn't, you know, worked either. You know, I, I don't know if, you know, Jaden has had three good games in the last five days. I will say that because he's limited the turnovers, right? But he hasn't had the outside shooting. We haven't seen him go one-on-one, take it to the basket. And, and I'm Connor, I'm wondering, is that like, hey, there's so much responsibility put on him now with Ace being down? You know, he, he had a really good first half against Arizona State. I think he had nine points in the first half and like three assists and a turnover maybe. Uh, but like you said, it, the one surprising thing is he hasn't – I think a lot of pundits around college basketball thought he was going to be kind of this breakout player this year. And he's played fine. Maybe the expectations were too high. But like you said, with Ace out the last three games – kind of trying to carry a load that he had to do last year during the non-conference when Ace was out. And uh, I, I like what I've seen from Nunn. I, I want to I want to see those jump shots. I want to see those 12-foot jumpers where he jumps over the center on a fast break. And we haven't seen that yet, and that's something I want to see going forward. Yeah, he forced it a couple times, got his shot blocked. I noticed that last game. And then the other theme that I wanted to point out was defensively, we're getting stops. Defensively, we're getting turnovers. 
but they're not leading to transition buckets. And I don't know if that's a product of we're not full court pressing as much or the turnovers are just, you know, the other team's throwing the ball out of bounds, so it's not a live turnover. But transition buckets are what have made this VCU program so strong in the past 10 or 15 years. Yeah, to be quite honest, I can't really explain why we're not getting out into transition other than we aren't getting live ball turnovers and, uh, you know, getting out on the run. And that's where we really excel as a team. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it, it, as we get into the non-conference slate, that's going to be not as difficult. I think that we're going to, you know, start to ratchet up the pressure and get into that. Seven fast break points against Arizona State, eight against Pitt. Just not a – it's hard to win games and you don't get that many fast break points when you're a team that plays fast. You know, I'm not saying you got to get 30 points a game on the fast break, but it, 14, 16. We actually had 14 against Memphis. I think some of that was kind of in mop-up time, though. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, we're, we're getting the turnovers. How do we – and if you, get, if you get a turnover, then you have a possession, an empty possession. It's the turnover is kind of a waste, you know. If you, it's it's just like in football, you get a turnover, then you get on a score, you make a huge impact. And I feel like they're not quite doing that, specifically the last three games. It, it seems like we're okay to just we're content with getting into a half court set and running an offense. And tactically, I don't think that they're all that our offensive sets are really challenging the defense too much. And we have people standing around. Yeah. So, and that's something that Ace is really good about creating when you get into the second half of the shot clock, fifteen seconds or less, and you know you, you got to create with a with a pick and roll or something at the top of the key, and then he would make something happen. We just don't have that action right now, and it's pretty easy to guard us. Yeah, and, and I look, I, I think the biggest thing is, like you just mentioned, Ace Baldwin being down with an injury. I think we win that Arizona State game if you have him in the clutch moments there instead of Zeb Jackson taking like an Allen Iverson switch it to the right-hand shot at the end of the game. Connor, that drove me crazy. Yeah, the uh, execution in the final couple minutes against Arizona State was poor, and that, that, that last possession, whew, it just uh... – Part of me thought that was going to go in at first. I know, it, me then too. It got, then it got to the pinnacle on the shot, and I was like, all right, that's not going in. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely, game should have been won anyway, but definitely thought we'd be a little more controlled in the last four to five minutes with Ace in there. Yeah, it'll be tough going forward because the resume and the committee will look at us just like last year when he was out, our biggest week of the year. It's tough to judge us um, since he wasn't there, so... Um, unfortunate week to have a huge injury. And, and Chris, you were actually here with me in studio when I was doing the pregame show and the news broke. Robbie told us, hey, Adam, you got to throw it out there to the audience. Ace Baldwin, broken hand. He will not be here for the rest of that tournament and probably another few weeks here. We do know that on the last Friday, he did have surgery on his hand um, for, I guess, the broken bone in his hand. Uh, but he'll still be out on Saturday when we face Kennesaw State. Uh, like, like you said, the report, uh, non-shooting hand, which is huge. That's huge for a point guard, huge for any kind of basketball player. So it's, it's fortunately, it's his right hand. The I think as VCU fans, obviously this Saturday against Kennesaw State, and I think you need a plan for him to be out for Vanderbilt and Temple. Maybe he comes back for them, but I think the you have to plan for at least the next three games, then middle of December return. I'd love to see him back sooner, but uh, I, I think the I imagine the coaching staff is practicing, assuming he misses the next three games. Yeah, I think that Jaden Nunn and Zeb Jackson have to get used to their roles as they are now. Um, Jaden Nunn has to continue to uh, protect the ball because his turnover numbers have been good, but he's also got to get those assist numbers up. And Zeb Jackson, when he comes in uh, right behind him, has to do the same. Yeah, it's just going to be a struggle here without Ace Baldwin, uh, the amount of time that he misses. You know, it, it just sucks. You know, Chris, I know you were disappointed because it felt like, why is it with VCU, our best player gets hurt at the most important times of the year? Yeah, it's a Briante injury. Um, 
our senior year, 2015, there's been Marcus Evans. Melvin just, Johnson Melvin, missed the tournament. Yeah, so that's tough. But they did um, they didn't go 0-3. They did get a victory against the ACC team. So even though that's um, not the top-tier ACC, it was good to see the two Michigan guys on that um, second game in Brooklyn um, step up. So I'd like to see that. Yeah, and, and look. We got to win at the Barclays Center, which is going to be huge when we play there again in March. And now it's time for our crowd review. And not doing it this time is, or doing it this time is not Chris Mason. It's Connor Bailey because he was in attendance in Brooklyn. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance. It's Chris Mason, crowd rating. As you heard, uh, Connor here presenting the how the crowd experience was at Barclays Center. So uh, if you didn't catch it in the, our last pod, it was my 30th birthday this weekend. So I figured, hey, you know, I decided this back in June. I said, hey, friend of the pod and fiance, Morgan Geyer, let's go up to New York for a weekend. So uh, I didn't see the Arizona State game live. I watched that in Richmond, but I uh, went to the Pitt game live, 7 o'clock tip from the Barclays, and we were staying with another friend of the pod, Gabrielle Riccio. She lives on the Upper East Side, uh, but made it over to Brooklyn about 6 o'clock, about an hour beforehand. Went to, unfortunately, KBH. Is it Kai Beer Hall, Caleb, with something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Kohler or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Keener. Yeah, unfortunately. It's a German word. Unfortunately, uh, after years of speculation, it closed down, I want to say, in 2020. So we couldn't make it there before the game, but made it over to McMahon's, which I've been to a couple times. Um, met a couple friends. Met another friend of the pod, uh, Bobby Gary and his, his crew. Oh, hell of, yeah. Love his, Bobby. His, his crew met us over there. Saw a few VCU fans. But there was a buzz, man. Walking out walking out of the Barclays Center, man, it's just ah, it's just an awesome, awesome experience. Man. So, so tell me this put a number on how many people wearing black and yellow in the arena yellow in general a lot of yellow but that's <laughs> that's because every school there had yellow but uh i'd be amazed but uh so yeah got over the got over the seagull center you know about five minutes four tip had uh barclay I'm, center yeah, but yeah <laughs> not not trying to not trying to pat myself on the back too much but i had excellent front row seats behind the basket and fortunately we got lucky it was I, you know i took a about four weeks ago i took a guess on you know which basket I'd sit behind, and it was VCU's bench bench side, so uh, it's pretty cool. But a good experience. Um, not a lot of fans to start the game. You know, Michigan, as as expected, would have the most fans in the whole tournament, but they didn't play till nine thirty. So I'd say, I kid you not, there was less than hundred pit fans there. Mm. So and it's a shame from a program that was so good in the Big East for years, but it yeah, just less than hundred fans there. And I feel like I represent a lot of VCU fans. It's just tough to make it up the week before Thanksgiving, midweek, Wednesday, Thursday. So I'm personally saving up for Temple Road Trip on a Saturday in a couple of weeks. But um, it's just a tough timing. Yeah, and I'll be in Brooklyn for sure in March for the A-10 tournament. Connor, are the rumors true that you ran into a VCU legend? Uh, well, legend... When you mean legend, Levi Stockard, two-year two-year <laughs> VCU player, absolutely. I did see him in the concourse, and I, I don't know what he specifically does for a living. I don't think he works for VCU Athletics, but I think he works with a whatever his his, his occupation is right now. It has association with VCU. I think I've seen it on Instagram, but mm-hmm. I saw him actually in the bathroom. We were, I think we were both a beer deep at that point. But um, I thought you ran into uh, Trevion Graham. Trevion Graham, I saw on the screen. He was no, he was noted as the legend of the game. Unfortunately, he wasn't down there. I think he was back home for the weekend. But they were announcing legends of the game for schools. Uh, I didn't catch you. Pitts, Pitts, uh, legend of the game. It's like a player from the '80s. I didn't recognize. But um, overall, great experience. Uh, the crowd definitely. The first half, 
it was kind of a, I mean, it was a decent first half. I think we led by, what, five in the first half, I want to say? Six. But um, the, as Michigan fans started to come in, and there were a ton of Michigan fans behind me. They started getting in. It started to become a better environment. But uh, down the stretch, man, I'm sitting there in the front row, banging my hand against the, kind of the railing and whatnot uh, with our, you know, my friends at the podcast with me. But uh, awesome environment as the, the game ended. There were a ton of Michigan fans behind me that were rooting for Brandon Johns Jr. On TV, they, the announcers kept saying that the Michigan uh, faithful were rooting for Johns Jr. and Zeb Jackson. Absolutely. Between that and the two guys behind me, uh, one of them had a, a City of Durham shirt on, and I think they were just New York natives, but they uh, they took VCU plus three and a half. I think the line was three and a half, I want to say. And, yeah. you know, we, we led by three late. Zeb Jackson gets fouled, and they're like, make it Zeb. Man, they sure can't make it Zeb. <laughs> Missed the first one, made the second one. So I had some friends behind us. But uh, just being back in that arena, man, awesome time. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan now on 105.1 FM, Adam Epstein here with Chris Mason, Caleb Jones, and Connor Bailey. And now I want to go around the room and, and try to provide a positive spin on a one-and-two week, three games in five days for the VCU Rams. And I'll start out with Josh Banks. I thought that Nick Kern was going to be our glue guy. I thought he was going to be our X-factor off the bench, the guy creating a spark. It feels like that's what Josh Banks is doing. He hit his three-point shot. He was really good in transition, great defensively, and and he's providing something that I didn't know he had in his game offensively. It's fun to watch. Yeah, Josh Banks has been great. It kind of reminds me when Bones would get in foul trouble his freshman year, and he would come in and give you eight points off the bench, and he's doing that now, and you can see the confidence building in him. So he's going to be very, very important going forward, especially as long as Ace is out. Uh, so you want to keep him uh, building that momentum. Um, I, what I what I kind of want to tell people, it seems doom and gloom in Ram Nation right now, and I would say that's because we missed a really good chunk of our out-of-conference, uh, the meat of our schedule with Ace being out, but it's early. Pump the brakes a little bit. We still have Vanderbilt. We got Temple on the road. We can still build this resume, and I think the conference is going to be pretty good and give us some – some uh, some chances with Dayton and St. Louis. And uh, so I just don't want people to get too down because I think this team still can be very good. I, I absolutely agree. I'm in the same boat as you. It's you know still a 1-2 record, and we haven't had a bad loss yet. Uh, to kind of follow up what Adam was saying, my, my ram of the game, and I think your choice is excellent, by the way. I, I thought Josh Banks played excellent in the out-of-conference. But I'd go Brandon Johns Jr. Um, ram the real the last three games, mainly because live in person, he's 10 feet from me, and he dominated the final few minutes of that pit game. Yeah, 18 points, 9 rebounds, 9 of 11 from the foul line. And uh, I, I'm still uh, still kind of baffled at how well we shot from the foul line in that game and didn't, didn't pick up a win. But, uh, yeah, Brandon Johns Jr. was my, my best player of the last three games. Uh, just to backtrack, I didn't throw my ram of the game out there. Or, uh you know, player of the week or whatever you want to call it. If we're doing, if we're I like the, the way games. we branded it, Ram of the game. Yeah, Ram, of the, Ram game. of the game. Yeah. So I'm going to take Jaden Nunn just because he got thrown into a role that I don't think he was expecting, um, or at least none of us expected. I guess he knew that he was going to be running point guard uh, over the past week, but I think that he handled the ball well. His turnovers were low. Uh, he didn't kill us there, and he provided some good offense. So. Um, just need to get those assist numbers up, but I think he did an admirable job. And I'll be specific. I'll say Zeb from the pit game had 16 points, hit a three, four for eight from the field. So he did, that was his best game so far as a VC Ram. So I'll shout him out. Absolutely. Look, it's it's hard to come up with positives on a week where you do go one and two. 
But another person that should get a shout-out is Jameer Watkins. Uh, you sent me his stat line the other night. It was really impressive. Uh, he's shooting the ball well. I think he needs to get off more shots. I think he needs to find a way to stay on the floor more by not fouling. Yep. Um, and there's still a little sometimes where I think he moves around a little awkward because he doesn't fully trust the knee. But there's times where he shows flashes, and it's like, wow, that's the guy that's going to replace Vince Williams and could be a pro one day. Yeah, offensively, he looks great. And uh, he, I did notice that he ditched the knee brace, which is also promising. Uh, speaks to the him being a little more confident in that knee. Um, but, I, yeah, Jameer's coming along great off that ACL. If, if, if the defense can match the offense and that can keep building, watch out. Every week we all have our, we each have our own segment. Caleb Jones is the stat monster. Caleb, take it away. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. So, to update on the three stats that I want to watch, the first being us being below 12 turnovers a game. Um, we, we did okay, actually, in total numbers of turnovers each game. Uh, Arizona State was 16. Pittsburgh was 15. Memphis was 18. I also included uh, Ace having a 2-to-1 assist ratio. And now that he's out for the foreseeable future, or the next few weeks at least, we have none and Zeb, uh, none starting at one and then Zeb at two, but Zeb coming in behind him at one uh, when we rotate. Uh, the turnover numbers were not bad. Uh, against Arizona State, none had three. Against Pitt, he had one. Against Memphis, he had two. Uh, Zeb had zero against Arizona State, three against Pitt, and five against Memphis, so kind of trending in the wrong direction there. But our offense was doing nothing, and I feel like Zeb was trying to give us some opportunity. I felt like – all three games, he was forcing it a little bit. You know, he's got so much talent. Yeah. I, I really think he is explosive and athletic. he needs to stop settling for the outside shot. Like, yeah, just go yeah. to the basket, man, because he really can finish with both hands. That reverse layup uh, that really set us up against Arizona State was sexy, Connor. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Oh Where yeah, he, yeah. Left hand reverse. It was well, nice. Yeah, he can finish. finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit of Keyshawn Curry, but uh, I think a better ball handler. But yeah. Uh, so with, with that said, we had those two. We had a six to eight assist to turnover ratio, which is uh, inverted in the wrong way. Um, so again, we've touched on it several times, but those guys have to keep protecting a ball. Again, the turnovers are low, but we have to assist the ball more. Uh, whether that's feeding the post and actually scoring down there, or whipping it around to shooters, uh, Shriver hitting threes would certainly help. But uh, yeah, Connor, definitely need to improve the assist to turnover ratio. I agree. One thing I wanted to follow up was Zeb in Brooklyn with about two minutes ago in the uh, the pit game. He made a couple free throws. It wasn't the final free throws, but he made a couple free throws. I yelled, yo, Zeb, gave me a little finger point. So uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's now a friend of the he's pod. A friend, he's a friend of the pod. So, you know, just hey, wanted, just speaking of a uh, friend of the pod, how about shout out to Randy Shriver? Yeah. we I noticed he's been listening to the episodes. Gotta love that. Randy, we're getting you on here. I, oh, yeah. Right? And then we can get David on the show as well. There's something about the way David Shriver, even though he wasn't hitting his shots, the fact that he has no hesitation, I think throughout the rest of the season, we're going to see that's going to create more holes and openings in the offense. Yeah. I have total faith that. Uh, Shriver's going to get that shot going, but that's uh, something for a different day. Uh, the second stat that we're monitoring is the adjusted D efficiency, according to Kim Palm. We are up to 28, so the defense is great. It's at, uh, you know, at last year's level. Where were we last week? Uh, we're in the 40s. Okay. Four, I think 48 even. So the, D's, the D is not the problem. Yeah. With, what is the problem is our 219 offensive efficiency. That, that went way south. 
So, uh, you know, ace being out does not help that at all, but we still have to pick up that number. Last thing, fouls per 40 on Deloach. Oof. He had Woof. three against Arizona State, fouled out against Pitt, two against Memphis, but Memphis went away at the end. So, um, But he's averaging, I would, I would guess, around four a game. Yeah, and look, I, I don't want to, you know, focus on too many negatives, but Jalen Deloach is not giving me the production I thought we were going to get from no. him offensively and defensively. In the post, he's turning the ball over uh, far oh, too and, much. And, and sometimes that's – He'll, a point guard will set him up, and he's dropping the pass. Right. And I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, he's where he wants to be. Yeah. And he's just. Uh, I, I actually wrote down his turnover numbers from each of those games as well. Arizona State five, Oof. Pittsburgh one, four against Memphis. I mean, having ten ten turnovers over three games, uh, just out of the post, you can't have that because that should be a basket, not a turnover going the other way. What do you think about David Shriver stepping into the starting lineup, Brandon Johns at the five, and letting Deloach go against some backup bigs and build his confidence up? Me personally, I think you stick with him. Okay. I think you stick by him because I think that he is that important for us. I disagree. I think we need some juice on offense, and we got to yeah. uh, spark the offense. We can't be scoring like 45 points a game. Connor, what do you think? Uh, I, I think I want to see how Deloach plays against Kennesaw State. I, I want to see him how he plays against a team that's not from a power conference team. Just maybe get maybe get his little self esteem up. A little I was going to say, what's a cure all for any of these problems? Double that's winning, a double double producing, double. giving a little <laughs> confidence. Yeah, I mean his stat, like his point production outside of uh, Memphis when he had one point. I mean he's scoring ten and getting nine rebounds a game here and there. I mean like. That's what you want out of him. If he if if he gives us eight and six, that's great. He's not the reason we're losing games, but it's one of those things where I feel like as a whole we'd be playing much better if he was finishing around the paint and if he did have a game where he had sixteen. Oh, points. it adds adds a whole different dimension yeah. to the offense. You have to respect him down low. If he starts passing out of the post, well, I mean that opens the floor for everybody. And one other, uh, you know, kind of turnover machine so far uh, while we're dogpiling. Uh, Jameer's turning the ball over way too much. Mm. I agree. He's forcing it because, I mean, a lot of times it's bailout at the end of a shot I think they're and... getting frustrated that oh, yeah. we're not getting open looks, and they're seeing, like, Jameer's one of those guys where I felt like there were a few times where he was turning the ball over because he came down the court and the team hadn't scored in eight straight possessions. You know, we have zero yeah. field goals in the last five minutes. Of course he's going to force it. Yeah. And uh, so those are the stats I have. But I do have one little piece of criticism. And that is actually for Coach Rhodes, who I love. I think he's the right guy to lead this program. But tactically on offense, we're the the action that we're running is is just so simple and easy to defend. Like I, you just have to run more screens. I mean, it's like one pass away, and then guys are just lo- standing with the ball in the perimeter, looking at other people, waiting for them to do something. Yeah, just need, you need more. And I'll jump on that criticism and, and say. I'm going to blame some of the players and not Coach Rhodes. There were several times you can't blame blame Coach Rhodes when we make a pass to somebody that's not looking. Yeah, true. And that happened Current. three or four times. <laughs> three happened, or four happened times. Happened in the pit game like five feet from me in the last five minutes that yeah. pass to Johns Jr. that he missed. Right. Yeah. I thought we were done after that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, Connor, I'll throw to you. Give me a little preview on Kennesaw State, who will be coming to the Seagull Center this Saturday. Uh, so, head coach Amir Abdurrahim, brother of – Sharif? Sharif, yeah. Oh. Brother, brother of 13-year NBA vet Sharif after a game. I learned that last night, actually. <laughs> um, so Kennesaw State, all, really all I know about them is their 2005 is their first year in the D1. They're actually – so they're in Atlantic Sun, same conference as Liberty and others. Um, but joining the Conference USA in 2024 uh, because of F- FBS football, they have never in their 
what, roughly 16, 17 years in Division One basketball, have never been inside the top 200 of Ken Mom. So that means we got to come out and win Saturday. I'm not saying, you know, whether you win by 12, 24, the, the final number doesn't matter. But we this is a game you need to come out, control from start to finish. Looking through their roster, they do not have a single high major transfer. It's a lot of guys recruited in the Georgia area. You know, the, the campus is outside of Atlanta. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're not a great team. They're still a Division One team. They have players, but this isn't a team where they have a bunch of transfers from other schools. Kind of like our first game, Manhattan has a St. John's transfer. So you got to come out and win. Yeah, I mean, pretty simple. I've, for me, it's just like a, it's a get right game. Right. That's what I need it to be. I yeah, I, re- I, mean, I need our offense to put up like 80 points. Start, yeah. Start building confidence. Yeah. And uh, I mean, play your game. To score in the post, hit threes. Like let's 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 see some semblance of an offense and build off. Yeah, of that. and this should be a game here where Kennesaw State comes to the stew, and by halftime we're up by twenty, and we can start playing our second unit. We can get Christian Furman some serious minutes, right? And I think we're going to need help um, when we get to the A ten schedule from a, a third big like that, especially a guy that's nearly seven foot. Uh, I think it's a, a chance to play. Nick Kern more, right? Get him involved offensively. Josh Banks is already showing that he, what he can do in a close game. How about in a blowout? Let him shoot the ball more. I think we have to use this, just like you said, as a get-right game, especially because we got some tough opponents coming up next. Yeah, uh, I've, even other guys like Toby Lawal. Everyone needs a chip in this game. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't ever want to say that you have to beat someone by X amount of points. But I do want to see a double-digit finish, you know. I want to see a, a better game win. than what we played against Morgan State. Right. Right? Agreed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Connor, you were with me on that game. We just – we didn't show up offensively. And we turned the ball over like crazy. Yeah. So Swept, keep, protect, football, protect yeah. the ball, whip it around, and get, get your teammates open shots. I think Rhodes did say something to the effect of just the guys were playing a little selfish – and uh, it, it's showing, showing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I haven't ho- heard Coach Rhodes say this uh, since he's been the head coach, but after the loss to Memphis, he told Robbie after the game, on Rams Unlimited, the loss was embarrassing. And it just was. Yeah. Because offensively, we just didn't look good. And we had more turnovers than assists, and you never want to have that. Connor, I'll throw to you to go around the A-10. Any uh, news and of notes here? Uh, the big thing I look at, you know, preseason A-10, it was pretty obvious the top three teams were going to be St. Louis, VCU, uh, Dayton, in any order, really. But uh, some, that four spot, uh, you saw a lot of Davidson, George Mason, Loyola. George Mason and Loyola just both threw up a goose egg in their MTE. Uh, George Mason went 0-3 in the Paradise Jam. Loyola went 0-3 in the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Yeah. No bad losses in terms of but record, but it's just missed opportunities. So there are two teams that are kind of those middle-of-the-pack teams that have kind of disappointed so far. St. Louis definitely has the best wins so far. A home win versus Memphis last week. A neutral site win versus Providence. Kind of got steamrolled by Maryland, but then Maryland steamrolled Miami, so maybe Maryland's pretty good. And then St. Louis has at Auburn Sunday, so St. Louis definitely has the best wins so Yeah, far. and UMass, didn't they win their tournament? UMass has looked very good so far. And they were another team, a new coach, Frank Martin, very good. But uh, they lost to a decent Towson team a week and a half ago. Then they go down to Myrtle Beach, uh, pick up wins against Colorado, who had just beaten Tennessee. Uh, but got beat, beat by Grambling. Yeah, so kind of weird. And then better. they murdered Texas A&M. But then they beat Murray State, good program, and they beat Charlotte. Uh, and when I think of Charlotte, I just think of that one year we're in the A-10 together. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so UMass, a, a team, a team middle-of-the-pack team, has looked very good so far. So uh, I watched Richmond against Syracuse last night. Did you watch that game, Chris? Game. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about Syracuse to say. Syracuse won in overtime. But I will say, Richmond's got some talent. Isaiah Bigelow? Yeah. Duke and, and Ball. And the, dunk. the Roach guy. That, yeah. guy, that guy can shoot. Oh, yeah. Lights and then out. they he still looks... have Burton again from last year. So, yeah. And he had 13 points. So this Richmond team, look, that was a tough game against Syracuse. 
hate to lose that game in overtime. Could have been a great out-of-conference win for Coach Mooney's boys there, but they looked solid. Tyler Burton had uh, 15 rebounds and 13 points. Woo! Bigelow had 17. Nelson had 14. So yeah, yeah they, they're, they're ahead of good. schedule. I don't love seeing that really. But, <laughs> good for them, I guess. Important game for Richmond. They played Temple uh, shortly after this pod will be recorded uh, in the the consolation game of the Empire Classic by Barclays. So, you, 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 Caleb, you kind of mentioned their head of schedule. They're uh, you know beat VMI, beat Northern Iowa, lose a tough game to Charleston, lose a tough game to Wichita State. They. Uh, I, as long as their offense is good, they can win games, but the defense is still a little shaky. That's the one thing I, I'll yeah, say about Richmond. I, yeah. All right, it's the time in the pod for listeners out there to take out your notepad, all right? Take out something to write with. Come up with some ideas. Think deeply here. Think, think, think. Throwback, throwback, throwback. It's time for This Week in VCU History with Connor Bailey. This Week in VCU Basketball History. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. November 2010. So we were, VCU was on schedule to play in the NIT season tip-off in the Winston-Salem Regional. I don't believe the NIT season tip-off even does regionals anymore, but uh, we played Winthrop in our very first game. It was a Monday, a week and a half before Thanksgiving. Also the same night, the uh, Eagles beat the Washington uh, Redskins 59-20 to when Michael Vick went nuclear. Ooh, yes, sir. Fun fact. I hated that game. Fun fact. I remember watching that game and listening to the Winthrop game on the radio. But the next night, we played Wake Forest in Winston-Salem because it was the Winston-Salem Regional and beat them 90-69. Uh, Jamie Skeen had a double-double. It was awesome. as a homecoming. Which brings me to our game of the uh, this week in Ram history highlighted game, which was 11-26-2010 versus UCLA at Madison Square Garden. So by beating Wake Forest, we went to the preseason NIT tip-off uh, up at Madison Square Garden, played Tennessee the night before Thanksgiving, lost a close game, 77-72. Brandon Rozelle had like 26 points that night. And I believe, Chris, weren't you there that night? I went to the Nova Tennessee game like the day before, but it's like okay. part of that tournament or something. But yeah, I you was. Were, you, then you were going to the title game Friday, so that must have been it. it yeah, Black Friday. So on Black Friday we played UCLA, and that's my this week in Ram history. Eleven twenty six twenty ten, which will be exactly twelve years from this upcoming game against Kennesaw State. Can you tell me who was on that UCLA squad? So not a traditional. You know, this is three years removed from their. Three, three straight Final Four trips. So, so no, not, no Kevin Love, no Westbrook. Nah, Aaron Aflalo, no. <laughs> very 2006 UCLA. Uh, Malcolm Lee, Tyler Honeycutt. Uh, oh, those Honeycutt, those yeah. were two of their best players. Uh, that, that's pretty much it. You know they they weren't a <laughs> they weren't a huge UCLA team. But the reason why this game was so big. So VCU wins 89 85. Uh, Jamie Skeen had 23 points, nine rebounds. Had a really nice fadeaway jumper from the elbow at, a, in the, at the end of the shot clock, which was a huge bucket for us late in the game. But the big reason why this was so huge is, if memory serves, March 2011, VCU was selected to the first four. And there was a lot of complaints across media, mar- across college basketball media that VCU didn't have any good wins, this, that. Uh, you know, VCU had three wins in the top 50 away from home that year. At ODU, uh, RPI 20, neutral site Georgia Mason 24, and a neutral site UCLA 44. They ended up being a seven seed in the tournament. I remember Clemson made the tournament and was a first four participant, and no one mentioned them as being like not worthy. They went 0-5 against the top 50. So I bring this up because this is a huge win over a good team, good program, top 50 win. And also, a little fun fact, friend of the pod, Patrick Thompson, that was also the same day, he's a big Auburn fan, that was the same day of the comeback, right? Came back, number two in the nation. Alabama led them the whole game. They came back and won 
throw that out there because I remember after working an eight-hour shift at Chick-fil-A that day in mm-hmm. high school, I came home, watched the VCU-UCLA game, fell asleep, and watched the last like seven minutes of the comeback. So a little fun fact, just one of those random memories. So. so this is the game, basically, you're saying that put VCU into the NCAA tournament. Like the selection committee said, wow, neutral site against UCLA, 89-85 victory. Rams 11 seed. <laughs> Three wins in the top 50. That, you know, we didn't have quad wins there, so it was all like 1 to 50, 51 to 100. That's three wins away from home in the top 50. Clemson had zero and made it, which is still a whole different conversation. Colorado was a big snub that year. Their strength of schedule was like 350. So just a big win over a good program. And also a year and a half before that, we lost to them in the NCAA tournament in 2009 up in Philadelphia. Eric Maynard had a little jump shot at the end, just fell short. So that's just a big win. Uh, I wanted to choose this one because so far I've chosen four different seasons games worth, so I haven't repeated any seasons. So just a big win. Um, but the question we're all waiting for, Caleb, can you name that starting five? <clears throat> all right. So one was Jay. Two, I've been waffling. I don't think I don't think Brandon Rozell started. Um, I think he came off the bench. So was it Brandenburg, Ed Nixon? Bradford Burgess, DJ Haley. So, I feel like you're pretty wrong on that. You got three, right? Okay. Joey Rodriguez, Ed Nixon. Joey Rodriguez, Bradford Burgess, Ed Nixon. Uh, You're right. DJ Haley was off the bench. So, you said he started. He was off the bench, played five minutes that game. Rozell was off the bench, 28 minutes. Um, So, you were right there. And then uh, Brandenburg was off the bench as well, 10 minutes. So, you're missing two starters. So, you said Burgess, Joey, Nixon. Name Name the other two starters. So, I guess Skeen. Played 31 minutes and started. The other one might be a tough one. Um. So Skeen, Burgess, Joey, and Nixon. Was it a transfer? Uh, yes. All right, it's the only hint I'll get. wasn't uh wasn't our boy Jay Gavin, was it? Uh, he was gone by then. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. Toby Veal started and played twenty minutes that night. What? Yeah, really. <laughs> twenty minutes had six points, three rebounds. So yeah, Jamie Skeen had uh, led all scorers twenty three and nine that night. Burgess had fifteen points. Joey had fourteen. Ed Nixon had five. Toby Bell had six points, and three oh, rebounds. I'll played ten minutes. I'm glad Shaka tinkered with the lineup there. Yeah. Uh, other fun facts: David Hinton played six minutes that night. I love David. Didn't Sacred they, service, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah Troy right? Daniels played three minutes. Thier- Darius Theus played fifteen minutes. But uh, overall, good game. Uh, you know, 17 assists to 13 turnovers. I know we would have would enjoyed that I, recently. I think this is the first time that Connor stumped you, Caleb. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's not. Toby Beal's a, t- <laughs> a tough one. He, uh, he had a good game against four, uh, He had a good game against Kansas, actually. He had a couple uh, good buckets off the bench. So. Yeah. Yeah, big game. Uh, a big reason why VCU played in the tournament in 2011. And uh, we know that what, what else happened that year. So This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast with Adam Epstein, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and Caleb Jones. And now... I'm up to bat. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? All right, with it being Thanksgiving week, I do just want to take this time to tell you guys I'm thankful for doing this pod. And Connor would agree with me on this. Like The reason Connor and I were friends with in college was because we could talk VCU hoops with each other and understand it when nobody else really could, right? And so every week on Thursday or on Tuesday this week, we get to meet and we all get to talk about the team that we care most about and we're all passionate about it. So I am very thankful for this podcast. Yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Didn't really expect we'd ever be doing anything like this. And, you know, uh, here we are, and uh, I look forward to the rest of the season. 
I'm thankful for the after we beat Richmond in December of 2011. We were at that uh, party somewhere in the city of Richmond, not where it was, <laughs> and you and I were standing on plywood with with some friends just talking about VCU, and then we became friends because of that. So you know, I'm thankful. Yeah, former college roommates over there, Connor and Adam. Love to see it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the socials you can find us there: um, Twitter, Instagram, the Black and Gold Fan Pod. Absolutely, and we're having a fun time doing this each and every week, and we're starting to see the downloads. Hopefully, we're going to do like a, a, a station event or a podcast event where we all go to a game. Maybe we'll do a meetup at a bar so we can do a meet and greet. And uh, please, if you're supporting the show, here's the one thing you can do to support the show. Spread the word, right? Take the cob- take the link for the podcast and just spam it. Email, text it <laughs> to like 15 people. You know, hey, you into the black and gold? Take this a li- take a listen to this, right, Caleb? I mean, just spread the word if you're enjoying the show. Yeah, send it to whoever. If you like VCU basketball and you think someone else might, just send it to them. Even if you're not a diehard fan, because some people are like, "Oh, I don't know anything about VCU," and you can just get informed through this podcast. It's fun. It's short. It's not P- pass pass along. You have you have some friends that are interested in basketball. Friends who are not interested in basketball. I don't quite understand that because to me, ball is life. But that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but you have any friends that you know looking looking for something to listen to when they're driving to work? Give us a holler. All right, everybody, have a great holiday week and enjoy the Seagull Center Saturday as Kennesaw State comes to town to face off against the VCU Rams. I'll be live on 910 The Fan for Rams Unlimited with your VCU official pregame and halftime show. Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby will have the call on Rams Unlimited right here on 910 The Fan. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast.